Gracie, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's consideration is recorded in Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, where we read as follows in Jesus' name. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the clouds saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. This is our text. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's that hopeful time of year again. Do you remember December? Around 5 o'clock, it was pitch black, and now as we approach even 6 o'clock at night, it's getting to be light. Before long, the daffodils will be competing with ski poles pushing through the snow. It's the last Sunday of Epiphany, the season of light, transfiguration. Jesus on the mountain in the northernmost part of his Galilean ministry And he's transformed so that the glorious Son of God, who he is, shines forth from his humble body, revealing fully what has been veiled from humankind, his divinity, except when he speaks and when he does miracles. Italian painters invented chiaroscuro painting where strong contrast between light and dark paint on a campus allow one to focus attention. Certainly before Italian chiaroscuro, there was God, the greatest chiaroscuro artist of all. The Old Testament God revealed his presence in dazzling light on Sinai at the giving of the Decalogue. And even Moses' face, because he was up there receiving the Ten Commandments, shone when he came down terrifying everybody so that he had put a veil on his face. He had absorbed the glory of God in a sense. God's glory revealed itself in light as he descended on the tabernacle. Not even Moses could go into it because of the righteous perfection of God. Jesus Christ came into this dark world to bring light, an indicting light of law spotlighting sin. As the apostle writes in the Gospel of John, this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world 
and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Jesus' ministry was a ministry of exposure. Preaching the law, convicting us of sin, and calling all of us to repentance. For no one who lacks sorrow and repentance over sin will ever see the light of God's gracious gospel. On the other hand, Christ revealed himself for what he was, the one who had come to bring light in another sense, grace, truth, and forgiveness, the gospel. The chiaroscuro confusion of the human heart revealed itself the day before Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on top of the mountain. At Caesarea Philippi, remember, Jesus had said, uh, well, who do people say that I am? And Peter just boldly said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, which Jesus commended him for. But then when Jesus was telling them, the disciples, he had to go to Jerusalem and die, Peter said, no, no, Lord, that shall not happen. For which probably the most serious rebuke in scripture is given to him, get behind me, Satan. So that was Christ's purpose. That was his mission to not bask in the sunshine of the glory that he would find on the top of the mountain, but rather to descend into the depths where we would have to suffer and die. So Jesus, since he knew he must travel south of Jerusalem to suffer and die, he took Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain to pray to the Father about the up and coming days. Just as the Father at Christ's baptism commended the Son, remember he said there also, listen to him, this is my beloved Son. Against the darkness of night, in chiaroscuro light, the body and clothing of Christ shone like the sun. And it would have been most likely darkness, nighttime. God answered Jesus say, you might say, by manifesting his glory so that all could see him for what he was, what Jesus said he was, and what Peter had confessed he was. But Peter's continuing what? Misdirection? At what to do at Moses' presence, the giver of the law, and now we see Moses and now Elijah, the what, last great prophet at the end of Israel's history? They're alongside of Christ on that dazzling mountain. And they somehow the other, what, cause him to blurt out, Jesus, let us make tabernacles for each of you. Now, if he had been listening to what Luke tells us, Moses and Elijah spoke with Jesus about, doesn't say it here, but if you go and take a look at Luke, you find it. Peter could perhaps have gained clarity of mind. Before Peter could blither on with inane things, as probably all of us, according to our sinful nature, are prone to, his words were cut short by the Father's overshadowing presence, kind of an irony. Another bright cloud overshadows the brightness that is already there in the sun. And there's a response that spoke to Peter and all. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. 
Hear him when he talks to you about he must go and suffer and die. Give heed to the Christ, God in flesh, the one who is fulfilling the law and all the other prophecies of the Old Testament. This is God's central chiaroscuro narrative that in this dark world of sin, death, the devil, Jesus Christ is the light of life. But the light chiefly shows itself in tears, sweat, blood shed on the cross in the passion of Christ. Terrified like the shepherds remember that first Christmas, the disciples fell on their faces before God's presence. But if ever God's artistry of what? Compassion revealed itself to fearful hearts, it was in the response of Jesus, in mercy, in kindness, in, in love, forgiveness, struck down by the gracious Forgiveness of God, that's what they were. They had been struck down by the righteousness of the Father. This is the Jesus who has taken on human flesh to redeem us. He touched the disciples with the glory of his kindness and his gracious loving hands and his gentle caring voice that said, Arise and do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but that is the Jesus I need. With all the fears and the sorrows and the remembrance of sins that come into my mind, the things that we are tasked with in the future, that's the Jesus we love, the Jesus, the loving Savior. And that's the only thing that they see when Jesus says, get up and arise. They look and the bright cloud is gone, but there is Jesus. Elijah's gone, Moses is gone, but there remains Jesus. Listen to him. The transfiguration anticipated Jesus' resurrection and can only be understood through the dark narrative shadow of the death and resurrection and the passion that is to come. This son of God about whom the father says, listen to him, is a prophetic what peek into Christ's post-resurrection words in Matthew 28 when Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. The brightness of epiphany must be overshadowed by Lent's darkness. Thus transfiguration ends the epiphany season. As we now move into pre-Lent and Ash Wednesday begin reminding us that this Christ, whose divine glory is revealed on the mountain, voluntarily descends out of the glory from this dazzling light into Galilee to suffer in Jerusalem's shadows, to pray but be betrayed at Gethsemane, tried at Gabbatha, crucified at Golgotha. And why? so that in him our sins will be taken away and forgiven. Amen.